Hey guys, it's Blake, and you're listening to an all-new episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. I apologize for the delay. As you guys know, I typically put out new episodes on Mondays, but um, today's not Monday, so uh, I got knocked on my ass yesterday by a flu bug. Um, this little fucker of a bug has been going around my family. Um, so my whole family was in town for Thanksgiving, and uh, I was hosting the Thanksgiving dinner at my house. Um, and on Thursday morning, I was trying to get a hold of my mom all morning because I had some questions about, uh, you know, the turkey making process and all of that. And I couldn't get a hold of her. And my mom is like a, a total morning person early bird gets the worm um you know she's up with the sun and by like 10 o'clock I, I i just like still wasn't able to get in touch with her so i finally reached out to my brother who um he and his wife and their kids were staying with my mom and dad and he was like oh yeah mom's asleep and i was like that's weird and he was like yeah she's really really sick um she's probably not going to come to dinner so, of course, my first thought is like, oh, sad, she's going to miss Thanksgiving dinner. But then, like, immediately my second thought is like, oh, fuck, what about all of the sides? Like, she was making the vegetables and she was making the mashed potatoes and, like, like a lot of the really important stuff, you know? Um, and my brother's like, yeah, no, that's not going to happen. So it, that, you know, definitely threw a wrench in our plans for the day, um, Matt and I had to make several impromptu grocery store runs, which, you know, is not something you want to do on any holiday, but especially not like a food focused holiday like Thanksgiving. Um, so that was fun. Uh, my mom unfortunately missed, you know, missed out. Um, and then the next day, Friday, uh, so I don't know if any of my listeners are sports fans, like that would be weird, but, uh, I, you know, as you know, I live in Arizona and there's a big, uh, college rivalry between the university of Arizona and Arizona state. And so they had a big showdown match off. I don't know, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, <clears throat> they had a big game, a big, a big match and my whole family was supposed to go. My dad bought tickets for all of us, you know, like a couple months ago. It's like a big deal, I guess, in the sporty world. Uh, but then, so then on Friday, you know, my mom is still sick and now my dad is sick, so he can't come. So the rest of us go and, you know, do our thing. And then Saturday comes and we find out that now my brother and his wife are sick. So uh, we kind of knew that it would be making its rounds to us. Um, yesterday morning, I I got up and I was fine. But Matt was like, couldn't get out of bed, had been, you know, sick all night long. And so he stayed home from work. And I was really planning on taking care of him. And like, I don't know, somehow I, I truly had convinced myself like, oh, I'm fine. Like, I, I, I'll be fine. <laughs> like this bug doesn't doesn't need me, you know. So I was like taking care of him in the morning. And then by around like noon, I was just on my ass. Um, so we both crawled into bed right around noon and were there until this morning. But we both woke up feeling great. So I don't know, a, a quickie little, you know, 24 hour thing for him, like a 12 hour thing for me, honestly. Um, I think that the, the problem is like all of our immune systems are just so fucking shot right now, you know? And like, so I had somehow made it, you know, two and a half years without ever getting COVID um, until last month when I got it. And like, yeah, I, I, I somehow like truly had convinced myself that like I was just like above it all. Like I was, you know, I had some like superhero 
immune system or something. And in reality, like throughout those two and a half years of like constantly sanitizing everything and like not being out in crowds and just being like hyper hyper aware and hyperactive and diligent in like sanitizing shit and cleaning everything like I was ruining my immune system so <clears throat> great <laughs> uh what are we gonna do guys should we all just go outside and start like licking like random poles and just like I don't know what do we do to build our immune systems back up um maybe I should just go like hang out in a daycare and just like soak up all the germs i don't know i don't know but i can tell you this uh the 12 hours that i did have this flu bug it was awful it was like the the worst um the worst flu i think i've ever had so uh get get vaccinated guys get your flu shots um do whatever you can to stay healthy um yeah i'm not a praying man but if you're sick i'm praying for you Okay, guys, so before I get into my quick Potomac recap, um, I wanted to just kind of talk to you guys about some things that I had watched recently that I was into, and some not so much. Um, so let's get into it, shall we? So over the weekend, I took my nephews to see the new Disney movie, Strange World, and it was so good, you guys. It was really, really cute, um, really heartwarming, beautifully animated. I definitely cried, like, at least six or seven times. Um, the thing is, like, I, had, I hadn't even heard of this movie. Uh, the marketing for it is terrible. Um, the only thing that I had heard about this movie is I had seen uh, an article saying that Disney had, you know, released a movie with their first ever openly LGBTQ character. And that was kind of it. Like, I didn't really, <clears throat> I didn't dive too much into it. I didn't really read more about the movie itself. Um, but when my mom was like, oh, do you want to take the boys to to see Strange World? It's the new Disney movie. I like put two and two together. I was like, oh, that must be it. Yeah, absolutely. So not only was there LGBTQ representation, but there was also um, a lot of really great female representation. A lot of the like really strong heroic characters were females. Um, and there was a lot of different nationalities represented in the film. Like everyone was of a different race. The main characters, um, like it's about a family of three and the husband and wife are uh, an interracial couple and so then their son is biracial and he's actually the gay character. And I think for me, the best part about it um, was that him being gay it was talked about and it was mentioned and, and, you know, he has a crush on this other boy and it's discussed and he talks to his parents about it and he talks to his grandpa about it, but it's not like made into a thing. It's discussed as if um, this were any, you know, straight character talking to their parents about a crush, which is something that we've seen in movies, even cartoons, you know, forever. So just to see it happen in such a natural and normalized way and not like, you know, he's gay, look over here, he's gay, like, oh my god, what's happening? Like, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't weird, it was just so normal. And, like, I I wish so badly that I had that type of representation when I was a kid. And, I, you know, I told you guys on my last episode when I did a Q&A, one of you asked about my coming out story, and I told you, <clears throat> excuse me, I had 
like a really easy coming out. And and I grew up in a very open-minded household and like my parents were were always super cool. I never felt like I needed to hide who I was or I was never like ashamed of who I was within my household. Like, um, you know, even even as really little kids, like my older brother would always, you know, want the G.I. Joe and I would want the Barbie doll and my dad would get it for me. And it like was never a thing. You know, I was never made to feel like, oh, you're not a real boy or like anything like that. Um, but that that was within my own home. Like that doesn't erase what what is happening in the world. And anyone who grew up when I did, like, you know, a kid of the 90s and especially the early 2000s, like it was such a, a toxically masculine time. Like everything was like, that's so gay. That's so gay. Faggot this, faggot that. Like it was just it was a really hard time to be like a little queer kid. Um and so having this type of representation where, like, you're not only seeing a gay character, but you're seeing a gay character in a very normalized situation with a, with family members who, like, don't blink an eye at it and, like, support support him fully, um, that's really fucking cool. Um, not only that, but, like, this character, he's one of the heroes in the movie. Um, and he's a badass. So, like, all of that, I just, as a kid, having any sort of representation like that would have been so cool. I mean, all we had were like, I don't know if there was ever a gay character, they were either being like made fun of or beaten up. Like it was either a really scary situation or it was like, we were supposed to be laughing at them. And that kind of framed the world for gay people at the time. It was either you're a joke or you should be terrified. Um, And I'm happy that we live in a world now, or at least, you know, we're, we're trying to where that is changing. You know, my, my nephews who I took to see this movie, they're six and four and they didn't blink an eye, you know, and, and being able to see them experience that and have that be normalized to them at age six and four, like, that's great. That's what's going to change everything. That is what's going to stop kids from using, gay as a slur or calling each other faggots, you know? So bravo, Disney. Um, The one thing that I'm upset about, like I said, is that the marketing has been terrible. Like, I haven't seen commercials for this movie. I mean, granted, I'm not watching Disney Channel or anything, but like, I haven't seen anything. And that's frustrating for me because I read that the movie's not doing very well in the box office. And that sucks because, you know, people are going to use the gay thing as like a reasoning for that. And they're going to be like, look, see, people don't want to see gay characters. And that's not that's not the case at all. People do want to see gay characters. Um, It's just for some reason, this movie isn't being pushed in the same way that a lot of other Disney movies are. Uh, But hopefully that's not intentional. And hopefully we will see this trend of, you know, diversifying characters continue because it is so, so important. Um, And this was me, you know, getting real deep with y'all about a Disney cartoon. Okay, so on Netflix, um, they are dropping Christmas movies left and right. It's funny. I feel like Netflix went from being, um, you know, all about creating really high-quality content to now just kind of being about, like, like shoving shit out every two seconds. Like, the amount of original content that Netflix produces is obscene, and, and like, 90% of it is 
absolute horse shit. <laughs> like, like these these Christmas movies. I mean, they're basically just lifetime original movies, um, or like Hallmark Channel movies. Like they're they're not good. They're very very cheesy. Um, I told you guys I watched the Lindsay Lohan one a few weeks ago, and like if it had been anyone other than Lindsay Lohan, I wouldn't have watched it. Um, and it wasn't good, but like I am rooting for Lilo. So there you go. Um, but there were two new ones that came out that I watched this week. And uh, one of them was called The Noel Diary. And it was starring um, Justin Hartley, the guy from This Is Us. And I have such mixed feelings about him because I watched Selling Sunset and I really like Chriselle. And if you watch that show, you know that he did her real dirty. But on the flip side, I really like This Is Us. And like in my mind, I see him as Kevin Pearson. So it's okay. We're just going to like go with it. So in this movie, The Noel Diary, he plays a writer who uh, goes back to his childhood home after his mom died. And he kind of, you know, uh, deals with with repressed emotions that that stemmed from a traumatic incident during his childhood. All the while, he meets a young woman who is looking for her birth mom who just happened to be Mr. Justin Hartley's childhood nanny. Um, it's really cute, actually. I mean, it's not great, but it's cute. And um, it's well acted, which like for one of these movies is a plus. <laughs> um, yeah, all in all, if you're looking for like a heartfelt Christmas movie to, you know, just to to throw on on like a, I don't know, like a Wednesday or Thursday night, it's definitely not like a Saturday or Sunday night movie, guys, but I'd give it a Wednesday or Thursday night, like casual weeknight movie watching. Um, I'd give it like a C plus B minus. Another Netflix Christmas movie that I watched is called Christmas With You, and it was not as good, not as well acted. Um, the, the only good... Okay, so this movie, <laughs> it's about a uh, pop star, an aging pop star who looks like a less cute Nicole Scherzinger. And um, she is told by her record label that she has to put out a Christmas song or else she's... She's done. They're dropping her from the label. She needs to have her Mariah Carey moment, which, by the way, I just read somewhere that Mariah Carey makes like $3 million a year off of All I Want for Christmas is You. So honestly, bootleg Nicole Scherzinger, write that song, write that Christmas song, make those millions. Like, what are you fucking doing? So this this lady, she like doesn't want to do it. She thinks it's beneath her. She's like, I'm not a gimmicky artist. I'm a real artist, which like if you had seen some of the, you know, clips of her quote unquote performing, it's like, you're not a real artist. Anyways, um, so she's looking for inspiration and she's scrolling through Instagram and she stumbles upon a young girl who's a fan of hers singing a cover on Instagram. And this cover is just so captivating that the pop star decides, I need to go meet this girl in real life. I, I it, this is it's all a little questionable like the plot doesn't make sense <laughs> so she goes and meets this this girl whose dad just happens to be a music teacher and he's been working on his own song but he just can't finish it and so now they're gonna finish the song together that's it's perfect right guys um so this movie's horrible i give it like an f minus uh but the dad the music teacher dad 
is Freddie Prince Jr. So like my my 90s kid heart was all aflutter. Um, love Freddie Prince Jr. I like hate the fact that we live in a world that didn't let Freddie Prince Jr. become like a legitimate adult movie star. Um, yeah, I mean, he. I think I think he should have been like he should have been Leonardo DiCaprio. Just saying. So Freddie Prince Jr., he's the dad. And another thing that I noticed that I thought was really, really cool is him and his daughter and like their whole family, they're Mexican in the movie. And I completely forgot that Freddie Prince Jr. is Puerto Rican. And I was thinking like, wow, in the 90s, they really, really downplayed the fact that he was a Latino, you know? Um, like, obviously, if you knew of his dad, Freddie Prinze, then you, like, knew he was Latino. But a lot of kids my generation didn't know that. They just knew, like, oh, Freddie Prinze Jr., he's hot. And especially at that time where they, you know, some some – like they had like the Enrique Iglesias and the Ricky Martins and they were really leaning into that like Latino lover, like fiery thing, you know? And it's interesting with Freddie Prince Jr., they they really downplayed that a lot. Like that was never a thing. Um, but it's cool now to see him embracing his roots. Um, obviously, he's not Mexican. I know that there's a difference. Um but it's just cool seeing him, you know, play like the patriarch of this this like Latin American family. Uh, so that was really cool. Um, but besides that, the movie blew. Um, so yeah, I mean, I'm telling you if Freddie Prince Jr. had been Jack in Titanic, his career would have been completely different. Um, and maybe we would be watching Leonardo DiCaprio on a straight to TV Christmas movie. Okay, and last but not least, my hubby and I watched a, um, or Anne, um, I know English, an Amazon original movie called The People You Hate at the Wedding, and it's starring Kristen Bell and uh, Ben Platt, and um, I loved it. I, <laughs> I absolutely loved it. Um, I went into it not really knowing what to expect, Um but it was so good. So essentially, long story short, I should have given you guys a spoiler alert warning at the beginning of this episode. I'm like giving a lot of these movie plots away. Okay, spoiler alert. So it's about a family, um, a brother and a sister who is Kristen Bell and Ben Platt. And then they have a half sister who is British. And um, at some point in their lives, the British sister and the other two like had a big falling out. And now the British sister is getting married. And so the, they're flying out for her wedding. And it's a disaster. And Alice and Janney plays their mom. And she is brilliant in anything and everything um like one of my all-time favorite movie characters ever is um the principal in 10 things i hate about you when <laughs> she's like writing her romance novel and then um cat comes in and she's like oh cat and she holds up her mug and has a cat on it I don't, I don't know if you know what i'm talking about then you know what i'm talking about but if not go watch 10 things i hate about you uh she's in like five minutes of the movie but she steals the show so yeah she's great in this too but my biggest takeaway was ben platt who i normally find to be like unbearably annoying he was actually kind of kind of likable in this like i mean i i i wasn't like, oh my God, I love you. Like, I'm going to go, I'm going to follow you on IG. No, none of that. But I got through it. And um, 
I think maybe the it, like the characters are supposed to be a little bit unlikable too. Like not truly unlikable, but like they're going through some shit. I mean, the movie's called The People You Hate at the Wedding. And again, spoiler alert, Kristen Bell and Ben Platt are the people at this wedding that you hate. So it was well cast. I'll, I'll just say that. Um, and then Kristen Bell is amazing in anything and everything. I love her. I think she's great. Um, and one thing about Kristen Bell is like she could she, she's so cute that she could easily just like really lean into that. Like, remember um, her role in Sarah Marshall, forgetting Sarah Marshall, like that was kind of her big, big breakout movie role. And she could have just kept playing like the hot girl. But she she doesn't mind playing a girl that's a little less hot. And that's inspiring. One of the best things about growing up in Arizona is that there's incredible Mexican food on every street corner. And you know what goes best with good Mexican food? Traditional Mexican horchata. Don't know what horchata is? It's creamy, delicious rice milk flavored with cinnamon, vanilla, and sugar. Okay, you thirsty now? Me too. Luckily, even if you're far from the southern border, you can get your horchata fix every day with cinnamon. Cinnamon is a brand created by my good friend Tyler, who is even more obsessed with horchata and all things cinnamon than I am. He's developed all natural skincare products and more, crafted in California with ethically sourced ingredients and infused with real cinnamon. Have you heard of the antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral, or antioxidant properties of cinnamon when applied to the skin? Or how about how it helps treat acne? What about how cinnamon promotes blood flow, helping with skin elasticity by bringing blood flow to the surface of the skin and helping to moisturize skin with all of that added circulation? Some of my personal favorite products from Sinmin are their signature lip balm that gives your lips a sweet tingle and a subtle natural plump, their all-natural deodorant developed for sensitive skin, and the Coco Chata body beverage that leaves your body hydrated and smelling like heaven. They even have candles and air fresheners to keep your entire home, car, or office smelling like your favorite dessert. With Sinmin, you'll enjoy all the benefits Sinmin has to offer your skin and your senses. Visit Sinmin.com, that's S-I-N-M-I-N.com, and use code Blake at checkout for 15% off your total order today and receive free shipping on all orders over $50. That's code Blake for 15% off your order at Sinmin.com. I may have a black heart, but I can be sweet sometimes, and Sinmin definitely helps. Okay, let's talk about this week's Real Housewives of Potomac. This season is giving me life, you guys. I'm loving it. So Ashley is saying that Mia's actions were completely unnecessary, and Giselle replies that both sides were unnecessary. Karen's talking to Mia, who's outside in the car crying, and Mia tells Karen that she didn't have her back. Karen says that two wrongs don't make a right, and she's not going to defend someone when they're wrong. Karen arrives back at the table just in time for dessert and to sing herself happy birthday. While Robin, who was just holding up a camera with the flash on capturing every frame of flying martini, is now telling Karen that she doesn't think Karen tried to defuse the situation between Mia and Wendy. Like, this is a joke, right? How were you defusing the situation? Ashley goes and checks on Wendy, and they agree that Mia was out of line, while Mia, Robin, and Giselle are in their sprinter van, somehow turning all of this on Karen. When the ladies get back to the mansion that is not by the beach, Wendy immediately goes and packs her shit to head to a hotel. Ashley tries, albeit very half-heartedly, to get her to stay, but at this point it's clear that Wen just needs to go find her zen at the Radisson. 
The next day, Jizzy turns her focus on Ashley, saying she's being contradictory for supporting Wendy when she previously had Monique's back when it came to some housewife-on-housewife -housewife violence. But as Ashley points out, Giselle and Robin, for that matter, are also being contradictory considering they were vehemently against violence in the past, but now they don't seem to have any problems with Mia throwing a drink or going in to attack Wendy. Candace arrives and she can barely walk through all this thick-ass tension in the house. The birthday dom awakens, and the ladies head out to the pool to start the day's festivities. Candace, Karen, and Ashley chat about the situation from the night before, and Candace makes it clear that she is not okay with Wendy being shut out of the group after being physically attacked. Then Candace says what we're all thinking. How can Robin justify what Mia did? She also nails down the point that throwing words is not the same as throwing things. When did Candace become the voice of reason on this show, for real? Candace, Karen, and Ashley call Wendy and invite her to the beach party later that day, and Karen goes inside to tell Mia that they want Wendy to come. Mia tells Karen, in no uncertain terms, oh hell no. So the girls decide to go check on Wendy before they meet the rest of the ladies at the beach party, and this does not sit well with Mia, who tells Ashley and Candace, but not the birthday dom, that they are gonna need a new place to stay when they come back. Petty, petty, petty. Mia is really leaning into this victim role for someone who threw the first drink. Mia makes some comment, like, they're not gonna go see Wendy and then come back to my house that I paid for. But like, bitch, we all know that production paid for this trip. Come on now. Ashley drafts a text to tell Mia, basically, to shut the fuck up and that she will be sleeping in the same bed she slept in the night before. She will not be checking into the Radisson with Wendy. The other five ladies, Mia, Jacqueline, Sharice, Robin, and Giselle, all arrive at the beach and... Okay, did anyone else think that there was going to be, like, an actual party on the beach? It's literally just five empty beach chairs. I miss the days on the Housewives when they went to actual parties. I mean, I know, I know, COVID, but, like, remember the days of the white party on RHOBH, and now all of their events are literally just the cast and their husbands? Ugh, make Housewives party again. At lunch with Candace, Karen, and Ashley, Wendy tells them some drama about how Mia was causing issues with Peter Thomas and his ex, and Ashley notes that this would explain why Mia got all hulkified when Wendy started hurling accusations. At the beach, Giselle tells Mia that she gets Ashley's point, and she would say the same thing. After all, who would let someone kick them out of a house that was paid for by production? I, too, would tell Mia to shut the fuck up and then head to my room that was paid for by my employer. Wendy nails it when she says that Mia's on a power trip, and like, what power? The beach gals have a little dance party before heading home, but not before Robin can insinuate that Mia is lying about her cancer scare once again. Yikes. I'm telling you, the green-eyed bandits are friends with no one but each other. I actually tweeted the other day that Robin clearly doesn't ride for Mia, she just hates Wendy. This confirms it. Candy Gal and Wendy go to meet rapper Trina at the studio and sing and slither while Ashley and Karen head back to the house to face the wrath of Mia, courtesy of her mouthpiece, Jacqueline. No, for real, that was so weird. Like, Jacqueline summons Karen upstairs and then she starts the convo with Karen and is like, Mia's in her feelings because you're straddling the fence. And it's like, can Mia talk? She sure could last night. And also, okay, so this reminded me that last week on my podcast, when I was talking about Heather Gay, I said that she was saddling the fence. And obviously I meant straddling. Um, and when I was listening back, I heard it and at first I felt so stupid because I hate making mistakes like that. But the more I thought about it, I was like, okay, it kind of makes sense. Like, saddle the fence. What do you do on a saddle? You sit on it. So basically I was right. And in regards to Potomac, I don't think Karen is straddling the fence here. Like, I think that she's been pretty gracious to both parties involved, and she's been open about finding things wrong with how both of them handled it. 
In my opinion, thinking both people are in the wrong isn't straddling the fence. Straddling the fence to me would be telling both people that they're right. Mia tells Karen that when she went and checked on Wendy, she picked a side, and now she won't be throwing her party for her. So there. She really is being so childish. Plus, didn't she just tell Karen that the beach day was her birthday party and she missed it? So which is it? Party is off or party already happened at the beach? I, I can tell you this much. Five folding chairs ain't a party. Okay guys, that's it for today. Thank you so much for listening to an all new episode of Blonde Hair, Black Heart. Make sure to drink some OJ, get those vitamins in you, stay healthy this holiday season. Uh, follow me on social media at Blonde Hair, Black Heart, and please go give me five stars on Apple Podcasts. A nice little review would definitely make my holiday season. Plus, December's my birthday month, so just saying. All right guys, until next time, bye. <laughs>